This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you, and we've got a great question for us to discuss today. Does God predestine people to hell? Um, I punt to you, Pastor Tim. You ready? Go. Just kidding. <laughs> um, for our listeners, for some more context, uh, episodes 112 and 113 would be really, really helpful. And actually, if you want more on this, our question tomorrow is going to be similar and, and actually will help even frame the answer to this even more. Um, but this doctrine where God would predestine some to heaven and some to hell is called double predestination, right. single predestination, um, is very simply this this idea, and I want our listeners to pay very careful attention because it's not an uh, it's easy on one level, but right. you got to understand the full definition here. Um, predestination or single predestination is the doctrine that teaches this: before the world was created, or as the Bible says, the foundations of the world, that God predetermined who He would save from their sins because. If left to ourselves, nobody could save ourselves. So the the doctrine of predestination is simply put is before God made the world, he saw the panorama of events. He saw the garden. He saw all of this. And he knew that no one had the capacity to trust in Jesus because sin would so thoroughly infect our mind, heart, soul, will, etc. Um, and so what God did is in grace and mercy, um, in justice, decided he would not let all perish, but that he would pull out some. He predestined or elected them. So that's, that is predestination. Now, if that is a new concept for you, I want to be really empathetic for you right now. I, first time I heard that doctrine, it angered me. And what I realized is that as in a Western American growing up in this culture, it violated our cultural sensibilities. There are other cultures that hear this and they say, of course, that's true. I have no, right, problem, they have with no problem with it. And so largely culture, what culture you grow up in, um, predetermines, if you will, predestines <laughs> your initial response to this doctrine. And so we have to do is push away all of that and say, what does the Bible just clearly and simply teach? Let's go back to that. And so um, I want to invite our readers to continue struggle with this because as Americans, it's hard for everyone. And we have to put away our allegiance to our culture and uh, declare allegiance to the Word of God. And right. let what, it... what does Scripture teach about any subject? Totally. Regardless and of how we feel about that subject. Yeah. Scripture says, a whole, I mean, gosh, a little rant here, okay? But there's almost nothing in 21st century Western culture that the Bible agrees with. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the idea of hell is offensive. Jesus is the only way is offensive. Predestination is offensive. Um, sanctity of life, don't um, don't abort babies in the womb, is offensive. Issues of sexuality, offensive. I mean, you go down every single moral uh, concept and God concept. Um, the God, the fact that God is uh, masculine, offensive. I mean, you just go right. down the line. There are very few things about the biblical God that, that are not fundamentally offensive to Western emerging Western culture. So that being said, we should not be too concerned when we hear that the Bible teaches something and it, and it upsets us. And so I'll say a couple things about predestination that will help us frame this discussion of double predestination. Number one, predestination is found so many times in the Bible, and I mean so many times, um, that denying it is hard. And right. in fact, the only way, I'm going to say this, I know some people won't agree with it, and I'm not asking you to be where I'm at, I'm just going to say it. The only way to deny 
predestination, single predestination, is based on philosophical grounds and not biblical grounds. Um, you, the only way to, to, to deny it is to say, I see what it says, but a God of love would never do that. And we'll address a God of love tomorrow. Yes. Um, and so I want to make that clear that like if you're going to be a thoughtful reader of Scripture, um, whether it's Jesus, Paul, Peter, Revelation, Genesis, Abraham, whatever, you're going to find the doctrine of predestination implied or explicitly on the page right. of almost every story in Scripture. Yeah, clearly in Scripture, we see several different places where God is doing something so incredibly great that it almost supersedes what we would call our free will. And I'm thinking of the situation with Paul on the road to Damascus, where God shows himself as the Lord and the great God that he is. And Paul all he can do is whimper down and say, yes, Lord, yes, yep. yes, yes, whatever you say, Lord. Yep. And and that's where there are um, narrative approaches to this, where it describes narratively, where God just intervenes, because Paul had no desire to come after Jesus. He's no. trying to kill the people who followed him. Um, and then there are issues where it's just um, propositionally stated, you are predestined. You know, mm -hmm. And so it goes both ways, and right. you can see it everywhere. Um, and that that is that. Now, I'm not asking our listeners to necessarily land where I'm at today. That's fine. Um, you got to go on that journey, right? So my challenge for you is open up the Bible, listen to some podcasts, especially listen to tomorrow. I think it'll be helpful for you. But here's here's the second point about predestination. Nobody in hell will say, God, you forced me here. No. Um, everyone no. in hell will have chosen hell. And if your doctrine of predestination um, does not permit that reality, then you've pendulum swunged, if that's a grammatically mm -hmm. correct way of saying it, too far in one direction. Right. So like hell is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's sad and painful. But the gnashing of teeth is a statement of anger and rage mm -hmm. at God. It's a statement of, I hate you. Right. There is this constant aggression. Like people will say, hell is a place where people are like, oh, I just wish I could go to heaven. That is not no, the picture of no, hell. not at all. Nobody in hell wants to be in heaven because they hate God. Um, and that is one of the realities. And they don't hate God because God forced them there. They hate God and they're going to be in hell and they're going to say, well, I don't want to be here, but I don't want to be there. Right. And, and human nature is not taking ownership for their own choice or lack of choice yep. to accept God's gift of Jesus Christ. Totally. Big picture. Hell is chosen. Yes. Nobody in hell will be able to cry foul to right. God at all. And if we have listeners out there that say, you know, well, but people don't make the choice to go to hell. Yes, a no choice, a mm -hmm. no choice, a I will not accept Jesus is a choice. Yep. And it is a choice that ends up putting the person in hell. Yep. So that might be hard to understand, but here's what I would just tell you. If you could get a sneak peek into hell. Nobody will say God was unjust to send them there. No. Nobody at all. So number three, and this, this is going to be like a new category for, I think, many listeners. Angels are predestined. Um, so here's what 1 Timothy 5.21 says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels. So uh, uh, it appears that a third of the angels fell. They followed Lucifer. And it what appears is that two-thirds of those angels were preserved, predestined, and protected, um, not permitted to fall because they were God's elect, right. if you will. And so that um, now you might say, well, single predestination logically and philosophically mandates double predestination. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Bible never goes that far. 
it, it teeters the line. Let's be straight. I, I agree. But it doesn't say it. So here's where I want to just be biblical, right? Philosophically, there are places I want to go. But then the Bible just holds me back and says, that might be logical according to your brain. Um, but you know what? Good theology is tempered and nuanced. And right. so we got to just let the Bible temper and nuance um, our theology. So, and we see that the angels are even predestined. And it, it appears that a third of the angels chose to follow Satan, while two-thirds were, we'll say, preserved, protected, predestined to not do that. Right. And uh, so, you know, it doesn't ever say that God predestined them. It's, it appears that they chose this reality. And uh, even hell itself originally was created by God for the devil and his angels. That's and right. so um, it was created for those who chose to rebel. And it's almost as if God was like, all right, if you're going to rebel, here's your here's destiny. Here's your destiny. And they said, we'd rather follow Satan than follow Jesus. We'll take right. the risk. Finally, number four, double predestination for people or regarding human beings by God is a bit vague. So I'm going to read two scriptures, and then we'll give a summary and end. Okay, First scripture is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, and uh, I'll, I'll just read this whole passage for you. It says, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, quote, the stone that the builders rejected, Jesus, has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling block and a rock of offense. And then here's what Peter says. People who reject Jesus, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Mm. Two interpretations is to this passage. It's important to like know them. Number one is um, you are destined to disobey the word if you reject Jesus. That's one option. The second interpretation is you rejected Jesus and disobeyed the word because that was what you were destined to do. Uh, unfortunately, grammatically speaking, this could go but either, either way. way. And yes. I, I would love to, as a predestination guy, be like, look, double predestination. But in, in all integrity, I can't do it. So it's almost like it teeters the line. And and honestly, what, what feels a little bit more natural to this text is that if you reject Jesus – then here's your destiny. Right. You this is what your natural world. outcome will be. Right. And and the outcome will be you're going to stumble. That's that's going to be that's going to be the destiny for you. And so I think that's a little more of a natural interpretation there. But the the other one is Romans nine nineteen to twenty four, and uh, so listeners, I just want you to pay very close attention to the words because again, good th- good theology is tempered, nuanced, and it hangs on we'll say prepositions and conjunctions. <laughs> and so uh, so listen listen to what happens. And Paul in Romans nine, this is like the chapter on predestination. And what Paul's doing is he's making an argument and then they'll respond like they'll say, that's not fair. And he'll say, you will say to me, that's unfair. And he responds real time to all of their accusations. And the accusation that he's going to say right now is, okay, if God predestines people, then how can he still find fault in us? How can he blame us for rejecting him if he's predestined us? And this is this is Paul's response. And it's a modern day question as well, an argument for predestination. Yeah. Paul says in verse 19, you will say to me then, after hearing about the doctrine of predestination, quote, why does God still find fault for who can resist his will? Like, like you chose this for us. So then why are you blaming us when we reject you? And here's what verse 20 says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Like, that's a very accusatory response, Mm -hmm. human being. Like, you got to have a little bit of honor for God. And he says, what? Well, what is molded say to the molder, why have you made me like this? 
And this is obviously a pot and potter. There's like a, uh, what do you call the thing where they spin around and spinning wheel. a spinning wheel. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, God is wheel. molding and whatnot. And so he, he says this. Now it's a question. And he says, has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? And the answer is, yeah, he could do that if, if he wants. And here's what he says. What if God? Uh, it's interesting because he poses it as a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Almost to say, if double predestination were true, you shut your mouth. But it might not be true. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what he says. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Let me just translate. He's saying this. God is obsessed, not with being loving, but showing forth the panorama of his attributes. And so God wants to make sure all the world knows he is holy and loving and righteous and just and merciful and gracious and jealous and wrathful. Like mm-hmm. That is a part of the panorama of the holy attributes of God. And his wrath is always just and justified. So he says, what is this? What if God wants to make known this part of his nature and character? And what if he wanted to make known by simply creating objects whose sole purpose is that he would pour out his wrath on them for all of eternity and justice so that all of the angels and demons and humans and whatever would be able to see this part of God's character on display for all of eternity? What if he did that? Like, are you okay with that? Like, because he's God. And he can do that. Don't, don't forget, like you forget as, as an American human being that you're not the center of the universe and that you are created and you were created for a purpose. He says, what if he does this? And verse 23 goes on and says, well, why would he do this? In order to make known the riches of his glory, again, showing another aspect of his nature and character for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Now, it's a long hypothetical. I'll give mm-hmm. you that. And what Paul does is that he pushes to the limits our God concepts. And he says, what if God? What if he did this? What if he did this? Would, would you still be okay with it? And, and I don't know what Paul is saying, to be honest. I mean, I know the illustration. I know the what if. I know we the hypothetical. We can understand the illustration, but what is his point? What is his point? Is his point, even if God wanted to, he's still just. Or right. is this point, God does deal with it. Right. And this is why I say double predestination for people, it is a bit vague. Um, the scriptures toe the line and you don't know how far they go. Uh, and so what I think is best to say is this. Let's, let's just let what we do know temper our, our conclusions. We do know that no one in hell will cry foul. Right. And we know that everyone in heaven will say, this isn't fair. I should have been in hell. Right. That's mm-hmm. what we know. And so... Um, we have to get to a place where um, we don't put God on trial for this kind of stuff. We just say, you know what? We will we will land on what we know and what we don't know. We will trust right. that every decision you make is good, holy, and righteous and just. And no person and no demon and no angel in heaven or in hell will be able to cry foul and say, you are unjust. Because when we see the panorama of your attributes on display, everyone will say, you are just and you are holy. That's right. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. Please do us three favors. First, go to the church website, vcob.org, and click on that link that says Q&A podcast question. Submit your question so we can get to that as soon as possible. Second, be sure to share this podcast with any of your friends, family members, or any of those that might be struggling with predestination anyway. 
And then number three, be sure to rate and review this at the iTunes store. Thanks for joining us today. And please come back next time when we answer the question, how is God loving if he predestines people to help?